Thank you for downloading the One Church Gloucester podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. To find out more about life at One Church, visit us online at thisisonechurch.com. Hey, well, good morning. It is a great place to be, is church on a Sunday morning. And um, as John has said, so I have like the, quite the privileged role of being on staff, being on team within the life of church. And, um, and that is an amazing thing. It really is an amazing thing. But it does come at a cost. Because there are occasions when, like, I'm going to let you in behind the curtain of the Wizard of Oz. All right? There are occasions when, like, literally behind the curtain, up there is the office, um, I get so fixated on the mechanics of church and can get so frustrated on, on like how trying to make this place such a great place for people to come, I can miss the wonder of what church is about. I, I can lose focus on what the church of Jesus Christ really is. And um, so last night I was just like thinking about this and, and I just felt God kind of like was just stirring something within me that there may be other people that are in that place. And so I just tried this together. This is almost like maybe a poem perhaps that doesn't rhyme um, with regards to like what I think the church is. And um, if, if it connects with you, then like go like cheer, say yeah or whatever. Okay. Um, Cause this will make me a little bit excited. Okay. So um, here we go. The church is heaven on earth's trophy cabinet, displaying victory after victory of God's incomprehensible strategy of grace. Living celebrations and declarations of God's enduring and endeavouring love. The church is the alive and breathing highlighter pen of heaven, drawing our focus to God's faithfulness and goodness. So when his enemy attempts and sometimes succeeds to steal, kill and destroy our hope and our faith, we can look around us and see living expressions, examples exuding the goodness of God, exampling how God has either come through or even more miraculously, we have come through the very shadow of death, battered, bruised, blooded, often, yet still more than conquerors. The church is the gathering of God's son's personally chosen ambassadors, brought together for our mutual encouragement, strengthening, impartation, calling and sending. Sent out as living proof that Jesus is at large, that Jesus is at work, that he is alive, bringing together the divine family plan that has been in motion since before the foundation of this planet. The church of Jesus Christ is all about Jesus. It's been called out by him. We've been born again in him, cleaned up by him and are being cleaned by him. Jesus sends us out. He partners with us. He empowers us. We find our peace in him. We do our exploits through him. The mission and purpose of the church of Jesus Christ, it's so huge, it's cosmic. Brexit would be as a grain of sand compares to the sun with the mission of the church of Jesus Christ. And yet I get so focused on the little. And yet God has called us, the church of Jesus Christ, to so many things. And I may have lost you in some of those enduring and endeavorings, but what I want to encourage you this morning is that God has given you a mission. God has given you a ministry. God's mission is so vast, it's cosmic, and yet so intimate, it's carried by his spirit in your heart. And we're going to look at part of the ministry of the church this morning. We are going to look at the ministry of reconciliation. 
because the reconciled have been given the word of reconciliation. The church of Jesus Christ, you and me, have been called to reconcile, have been called to be reconcilers. And so we're going to turn to a passage in scripture. Uh, my mother-in-law, if you were here last week, she absolutely like hit it out of the park um, when she preached in second. And she read the first little part of this. Um, I've got to have the last word, so I'm going to carry on a little bit further than what she read. But um, if you want to turn in your Bible, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5. And we're just going to read a few verses from verse 16 through to chapter 6, verse 2. It will be on screen if you've not got a Bible. Cool. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, We urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. What an incredible passage. I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive right in, okay? Jesus, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you for what you are doing, and we thank you for what you are going to achieve. By your spirit, will you speak to us this morning? God, may my words disappear, but may your words resonate within us. May your words bring change. May your words cause us to leave this place different because of your word that has spoken. So, Father, we thank you for all that you have called us to. For all that you have called us out of, we thank you and we praise you. And we say, Father, we want to step into all that you've got for us. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Right, so so my name's Eddie, I'm married to Nicole, and uh, within our household we have two big ones and we have four small ones. And, uh, and, And like reconciliation is pretty much a constant thing going on in our house. Right, it really, really is. I've got a little photo that we're going to show you. This is just a snapshot of our normal day that's going on screen. So there's one part where Summer is reading with her cousin at the top. That's taking place in a coffee shop with Nick, Summer and her cousins, etc. Then the bottom is Theo doing an elbow drop on Elijah's eye. That's taking place at home where I've got dominion and was looking after them. And, and the truth is, the reason why there's a photo is because I was chewing it on. <laughs> and I said, like, come on. Um, no, 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 not really. But, um, but we take these photos and it's just a snapshot of our lives. That there is constantly this aspect of reconciliation that's taking place. And uh, what I've noticed with the kids is like, well, just generally, is like, as, as they get older, it gets more difficult to bring reconciliation. Because as they get older, they know their rights. They want punishment and they will pursue it until it's met to, through to the letter of the law. They will absolutely go for it. And yet when they're in the wrong, they want clemency. 
They want, they want grace. And if they don't think that's coming, they'll disappear out the way and they'll kind of like, they'll do doggy eyes. And that's just me and Nick. Like the kids. What I've noticed is like with, with Jude, he just, he wants to get right straight away. So we can hear something where there's a bit of a battle going on downstairs and Jude will throw a car at one of the others or whatever it is. And they go, Jude! And he just goes, sorry, you're my best friend. <laughs> Dealt with, done. We are so different. And how much more so when it comes to our, our walk with God. Yeah. When I first became a Christian, uh, I was about 18, and there were two terrific elderly ladies in the life of church. There were more than just two, but two terrific um, ladies in the life of church. Um, there was Betty Hickman and Irene Hall. And uh, some of their little phrases that they used to use have kind of stuck with me through my life. And one of them, Irene Hall particularly would say this alone, is keep short accounts with God. Keep short accounts with God. And at first it was like this, this dark arts, mystical science. What are these words? that this oracle is sharing. And actually what she was just saying is like, be like Jude. Like as soon as you begin to find yourself being separated in whatever way it is from God, just say, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. I give my life afresh to you. Thank you for all that you have done for me. Because the truth is, right, I find the journey of reconciliation with the kids, like really quite patronizing. Like just, just being really honest. It's like, again, we're having this conversation. Again, I've got a hole in my wall. Why have I got a hole in my wall? Because I wanted you, Daddy. Or Nick. Because or, <laughs> I wanted you, Daddy. Okay, so why did you put a hole in my wall? Because you were in the shower. Yeah, so, so I couldn't come to you, could I? No, but you're out now, aren't you, Daddy? And it's like, I, I'm like seven times older than you, and you've outmaneuvered me through this whole conversation. I, I don't really want to go down this road again and again and again. Because it's like this kind of like lowering down for this conversation. It's one of those like difficulties of life of which we revisit again and again and again. Here are six of the most amazing words in scripture, found in verse 17. God, who reconciled us to himself. God, who reconciled us to himself. Consider the all-surpassing supremacy, the greatness of God coming down and choosing you and choosing me. To reconcile us to himself. We've just sang about my vain kind of righteous offerings that I might try and give or, or how I might try and attain to, to, to get right with God. And uh, it's, it's so impossible for us in ourselves. Um, we watched the um, Have I Got News For You program the week after Notre Dame had had its terrible fire. And it was really interesting seeing how, even in that setting, they were, they were taking the mick out of how some of the, the French most wealthiest families, um, of whom had made money through all sorts of like, ethically questionable methods, were giving towards Notre Dame. 
were given towards this cathedral because it was almost like, we can do it now. We can do it now. And it was a really good picture of actually how, like, how religion tries to get us right with God. It's a really good picture of us trying to reconcile ourselves with him. But the Bible's worldview is totally different from that. The Bible's worldview is that God reconciles himself with us. He comes to you and he comes to me. How does he do it? Well, he made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Jesus comes. If you like your theologically big words, it's substitutionary atonement. That basically, because of a substitute, we can be at one with God. And it's this amazing thing that Jesus comes and steps and says, whatever blame, whatever punishment should be upon that person, put it on me. Put it on me. I have nothing in myself of which I can be found guilty of. But everything, everything that separates us from God, that separates that person from God, place it on me. All our mistakes, our misdemeanors, our crimes are placed on Jesus. Whether it's going five mile an hour over the speed limit or cosmic treason, it's all on him. And the Bible tells us like the reason why. And this is more mind-boggling than anything. The author of Hebrews puts it like this. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Well, well, what's the joy that's set before him? Well, the definition of reconciliation is this. The restoration of friendly relations. The restoration of friendly relations. For the joy set before him that Jesus can enjoy, that God can enjoy. The restoration of the friendly relations between man and God. It is just mind-boggling. And this is the journey that God has got, has gone down and has paid the price for. He has said, whatever, whatever guilt, it's on me. It's on me. It's on me. Um, his brother, uh, Jude, puts it like this. He says that actually, like part of the joy is that he might present us blameless in God's glorious presence with great joy. Right? When I read that, I like to like, use my imagination when I read scripture. And so I'm, like, I'm thinking Jesus is kind of like, it's, it's not some kind of like solemn little moment when next, here we go, goes through. Next, here we go, comes through. But actually this thing when like, almost God kind of like runs to the back and, and Jesus runs to the back, he kind of like takes you by the hand. Rather than like a bride and groom where the, the, the groom is waiting at the front for the bride to walk, he almost runs to the door, grabs our hand, runs to his father and says, look, this is one of mine as well. That's his heart, his passion, the joy that he has for each one of us. As John has said this morning, like the cosmic number of thoughts that he has before us. And it drives him to this. That he wants the restoration of those family, friendly relations with him. That we might say, Father. That we might say, Father. There's a whole world out there that can't say that. There's even maybe people in here. And you don't feel that you can say that because you've not kept short accounts with God. In fact, you're trying to keep distance. You you might do the doggy eyes in worship. 
But actually, there's a distance between you and your heart. Right? As the scripture says, as Paul says, as we say to you now, be reconciled to God. Like, I find this amazing, the humility of God in this passage, when he says, as though God is making his appeal through us. God makes the appeal to you. Be reconciled. Be reconciled. Let's restore these friendly relations. Let's restore this engagement with you and with me. That is the reconciliation that we have. One of the patterns that you'll find within scripture, um, and that's part of the Bible which I really love, I, I like seeing where there are like these continuations of patterns right the way through. And one of them is the pattern of revelation. And that's, that's like quite a big little phrase. Basically what it means is that from God, there is this understanding that is given to an individual, and then that individual passes it on. So you'll read it quite a lot within scripture. As I have received, I pass on to you. The prophet receiving from God and then sharing with somebody else. Right? There is this thing about revelation that comes. And it mustn't, mustn't just stay with us. We are to be conduits of it rather than a cul-de-sac to it. And that's what reconciliation, reconciliation is all about. And we come to this next little part, and it's this ministry of reconciliation, because we must be reconciled to others. We must be reconciled to others. Jesus hits this in pretty much his first preach in Matthew 5, verses 23 through to 24. They'll be on screen as well. And it reads like this. If you are offering your gift at the altar... And there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. It's phenomenal. Like just to say, Jesus is not putting reconciliation above worship. But he is placing it before worship. That actually is, because worship is a holistic response to God. It always has to be holistic. It always has to be all of who we are. And otherwise we compartmentalize our lives and we separate, hey, this is the bit for God and this is the bit for, for me, just for myself. And, and actually I can treat others however I like because that's this part. But when I come into worship, as so long as I can give towards Notre Dame, then actually, I'm okay. And Jesus says, no. Not at all. It's a really interesting thing, like the word altar. It just signifies this place where people meet with God. Uh, within scriptures, about 240 times it's mentioned. Within the New Testament, over 20. And it's specifically a place where people meet with God. And Jesus says, in the place where you come and meet with God, make sure you come right with others. Right, worship is amazing. I love, I love worship, but it's so much bigger than a song. It's so much bigger than our Christian karaoke. It's got to be this holistic response. God, I give you everything. I give all that I am. And so therefore, I am going to be right with people. I am not going to compartmentalize my life. If I, if I use summer as a little example, something that we try to do in our home is that we try to end every day where we're praying with the kids. And um, if the day hasn't gone smoothly, or if the end of the day hasn't gone smoothly, obviously they get sent to their room. And then they miss out on this time when we pray with one another. And what's really interesting is, like, 
Summer compartmentalizes this because she sees this as a really key part of her day, that this time of prayer, but she doesn't understand that actually it bleeds into her attitude throughout the rest of the day. So literally, at the end of our day, we can have Summer at her bedroom door going, why is nobody praying with me? (laughs) It's like, it's just, Summer, you need to calm down. And like, she's, she's got, I don't know how she does it, but she's got this amazing, miraculous ability where she will slam her foot down so hard. Like, she raises her knee up. I'm sure she's going to give herself a black eye. And then she like slams her foot down, bangs the door. The whole building shakes because nobody's praying with her because she's compartmentalized prayer away from her life. How often do we do that? How often do I do that? I remember like quite a, a funny little but real kind of convicting uh, situation happened to me at my old place of work. And we used to have a um, conscientious tuck shop. So basically there was a tuck shop where you give money, it was raising money for charity, and you had to kind of like give the money. So it had all the price tags and all that kind of stuff on it. You'd go on up and you'd like go, okay, I've got 20p, ah, oh, some discos or whatever it is, okay? And um, that's what I used to do all the time, discos. So I'm going to get discos. Nice and strong, get the vinegar, get the salt. Anyway. And uh, that's a little side reference, not my notes. And, uh, but anyway, so I'd go along. One time I'd go on out and they had bacon fries. Like, that's, that's like discos are there. I mean, they're really good. But bacon fries were up here and then they're scampy, but let's not go there. That's antisocial world. Um, anyway, so bacon fries. They're like 40, 45p, I think they were. I look in my pocket, 42. Gain. What do I do? Do I put 42p in thinking I can bring 3p tomorrow and that'll be fine? Do you all right? My sense of kind of self-righteousness is like, I will fast the bacon fries today because I can't afford it. I won't put that 3p in. But reality is, just in case somebody sees and they count up, that's like my little self-righteousness. The next morning, got my 45p, but I'm running late. So I speed down the motorway. I'm happy to do that. But I won't leave 3p or unspoken over like a day. Why is that? Because I've compartmentalized my holistic life as an act of worship. Yeah. And I said, oh, this is that. I can condone that. I can, I can yeah, I, I really mustn't be late. So therefore, I'll drive a little bit quicker. Because I've compartmentalized my life. And God massively challenged me on that one. And when I see someone, I'm taken back to that place. When she's shouting, why will nobody pray with me? It's like, Ed, where are you compartmentalizing? Where have you said, this is sacred and this is just normal? When have you said, this is for God and this is for you? That's the reconciliation to others. And the trouble is with compartmentalizing is it it bleeds into the next area, which is about purpose. Like we will reconcile our lives to God. Jesus, I give you everything. But my career, my pursuits, my lifestyle is for me. Again, Jesus really hits on on this. If you just flick over the page, we're going to go to Luke 12. And just 15 to 21, again, this will be up on screen. And it's the parable of the rich, rich fool. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. 
And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Reconciling our purpose with the purpose of God. Do you know, like money, the worldview of money is that money is immoral. So it's not immoral, it's amoral. It's neither good nor bad. It's the heart that accesses it and the response of the heart to it, which is the thing to look at. And so this wealth isn't the issue. The issue is the fact that this man is just looking at him and the here and now with that wealth. I I think Jesus is doing a little bit of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge towards a guy called Nabal. You'll you'll read him in 1 Samuel 25, a really interesting story. But there's this man, basically, of whom he's rich, he's wealthy, and Nabal actually means foolish. That's the name that he has. And, uh, And David and his men come along. They need provision. And Nabal says... Why should I give what I've worked hard for towards that? Why should I give towards the provision, towards the purpose of God with what I've slaved for? And what he's doing is he's just dividing, compartmentalizing his purpose away from his worship to God. He needs his purpose reconciled to him. His wife, Abigail, she sees what's going on, goes to David because like trouble's coming. She goes to David and just says, look, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry about this. Look, here's the offering. I, I fully recognize and appreciate God's call on our stuff is greater than my call. That, that God hasn't raised us up to have a better standard of living, but perhaps a better standard of giving. And so God's grace is on me to be able to supply needs for you at this time. And, and David is like astonished by Abigail. In fact, so much so, peace comes to that family. Although to Nabal... The next morning when he wakes up in his hangover state, because he has a party almost to celebrate that he hasn't given it to, to the provision of God. The Bible says when he works out everything and hears what's happened, his heart dies. Right, I am moved by that story. Because how many people do we know of whom are like sacrificing their families, sacrificing their, their health, sacrificing everything for a pursuit of a career because they've attached their whole value to their career. And even Christians who we know, they've not reconciled their purpose with the purpose of God. And maybe you're here this morning, and you think, yeah, I do that. I, I, I get caught up in this really easily. I will give far too many hours um, away from my children, because I'm like, I have like the Messiah complex. It's like, I need to be there. I need to read this email that's just come in because if I don't, then like the world may end, even though it's just about a sale at Staples. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that kind of scenario that comes in. Like we have dinner at home. Like my wife is so good at this. Like, uh, what are you doing now? Is that work? Is that whatever? And like, uh, because I, I get caught up in this scenario where I've reconciled my purpose with my own value, not with the call of God over it. And I've compartmentalized it 
because I'm saying this is where I'm going to pursue, this is what I've got to deliver on. And yet God says, no, 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 no. Like, allow your purpose to be reconciled to what I've got for you. As I started at the beginning, the reason why I wanted to read that little um, declaration about church is because today is the day of purpose. Because today is the day where we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. There is this purpose upon us, this purpose upon every single one of us. It's not just for whoever it is that's speaking up here to challenge us about reconciliation, to make that plead on God's behalf for reconciliation. That is a ministry that is with all of us. And God says, you know, like in the way that he even ends this passage in Corinthians, he says, like in the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. Maybe, you're, maybe we are too intimidated by those of whom we need to give this message to. Maybe we're too intimidated by our neighbours. Maybe we're too indim- intimidated by our life partners. But actually the call of God to us is to say, hey, today is the day of reconciliation. Today is the day when I will hear you and I will help you. What a great story. I love it when we hear like the testimonies from those that get baptised and you hear the stories of the journeys that these people are on where somebody's had the boldness to say hey I am going to bring this reconciliation to you I am going to share this amazing story of hope with you I'm going to tell you what Jesus has done for me I'm going to tell you about how my life has been turned around I'm going to tell you about Jesus can turn your life around it's not just for if you're being baptised it's for every single one of us to carry that to share that to be consumed by that Because today is the day of reconciliation. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when God comes close and he reconciles your neighbour, your husband, your child to himself. That's the ministry that we have. And in closing... We have to give opportunity. I have to give opportunity for people to respond. If you are feeling any response within your heart, that is God reconciled. That's the Spirit of God whispering you. I've not mentioned your name. He spoke deep inside of you. And he's asking for you to make a response. And so what's going to happen, there's going to be three appeals that I'm going to make to you. The first one is, if you've let your account with God get too long, that, hey, you can get away with church, but there's no devotion in the heart, because you're good at lifting hands, but not good at revealing heart, well, then I'm going to make an appeal to you to respond to the reconciliation of God today. And the second appeal is going to be, if you know that there are people that have something against you in their heart. And the challenge of Jesus is so strong. Like It doesn't say that you've got something against them. It says your awareness that a brother has something against you. Then leave the gift and go make it right. He's not challenging that the conclusion lies with you. He's challenging the heart of the humility to say, I will go and try and put this right. I'm going to pray that God will give you the wisdom by His Spirit in how you will step forward and do that. And then the third part of our appeal this morning is going to be about reconciled to purpose. Perhaps, like I've said, 
when you're so focused behind the curtain, you get caught in the mechanics, get caught in just the religiousness of habits that they can creep in. And actually, you've taken your eyes off of the purpose that God has got for you. The purpose to be a great husband, a great wife. The purpose to live a holistic life of worship and adoration to you. And I'm going to ask for you to respond. Okay, so if everybody just close your eyes. Today is the day of favour. Today is the day of salvation. The ministry of reconciliation has been given to us. The reconciled have the mandate of reconciliation upon them. So today is the day for you to make that response. So if this is where your account with God is too long and you need to just get it right, I want you to put your hand up. If you put your hand up now, I'm going to pray for you. That's terrific. I want you to know you're not alone. There's about 12 hands coming up and one of the, the ploys of the enemy is to isolate you from the purpose and plan of God for your life. Can I put your hand down? I'm going to pray for you now. Jesus, we thank you that today is the day of salvation, that today is the day when you draw close to us and you hear us and you prepare to help us and you will wipe the slate clean and draw us close, restore the friendly relations that you desire for us. And so for God, for every hand that was raised, for every life that is, God, we thank you that people are journeying from death into life, that people are journeying into reconciliation with you. In Jesus' wonderful name, we thank you. Thank you for what you are doing. If you're aware of somebody's got an, an issue or an error with you, then again, I'm just going to ask, like, I'm going to pray for you that the Spirit of God, by His wisdom, will give you words to guide you and direct you. And also, if you've separated yourself from purpose, you've decompartmentalized you've your life, so that actually it's like there's these very separate areas, and the challenge is to decompartmentalize. The challenge is to say, right, Jesus, I want to be sold out for your purpose. And this one's going to be more of a challenge of an appeal. So I'm going to ask you to stand up for this because there is a humility that's required of that. Humility is the elevator in the presence of God and into the purpose of God. So please stand if that's you. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray for you. This is terrific. People standing up. Just fantastic. Just fantastic. God, you are so good. God, you are so good. God, you are so good. Father, we thank you for the great plan and purpose that you have for us. Thank you that you have your wisdom that you will give to us when we ask. And so you see who's standing this morning and we are asking for your wisdom. We're asking that you will instruct us in how we can make things right. We are asking that you will open up the doors into the purpose and plan that you have for us, that we might fulfill the provision that you've got for us. So Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that today is the day of reconciliation. May we move forward in it, in the name, the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you very much.